0: I appreciate Paul's words, I'm not a great chef, I can put food together and people eat it and so far, as far as we know, nobody has died. <laughs> hey, that's a bonus. And uh, I'm I'm mindful as well, I had a an email from John because uh, he asked for the outline for this morning and said we won't be there but we'll... Uh, listen to it on Monday what a surprise he's going to get I was given a subject I'm not usually given a subject to speak on but I was given a subject uh, today so I will speak on that subject for a while so if um, if you've got your Bibles uh, or your uh, uh, mobile devices it's Acts chapter 16. I'll read it from a verse 6, I think. But you'll need to read the whole thing, obviously, when you've got chance. Now, when they'd gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they'd come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So, passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying come over to Macedonia and help us now after he had seen the vision immediately we sought to go to Macedonia concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them therefore sailing from Trias, we ran a straight course to uh, Samothrace and the next day came to Neapolis and from there to Philippi which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul and when she and her household were baptized she begged us saying if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord come to my house and stay so she persuaded us Amen I'm sure God will add a blessing to the reading of his word Lydia is mentioned twice in the Bible both in this chapter uh, in that verse uh, there that we've just read in verse 14, and also her name is mentioned in verse 40. uh, Which is the only mention of Lydia that we get. I could leave it there and go on to something else, because you've read it now. All we know about Lydia, actually, is in those verses. Uh, But it's interesting to note one or two things with regard to this lady. Lady. Note also that uh, when they went to Macedonia there was no church there. It was mentioned this morning that estates are being built all around us and no church is being built. Well, you don't expect the authorities to build the churches, do you? That's our responsibility. So if we want to see churches on the estates that are being built we've got to start praying about things haven't we and seeing what we can do about it because the authorities aren't going to preach the gospel the builders won't be preaching the gospel when I have heard of builders they will speak of anything but the gospel I have met one or two Christian builders but there's not that many of them so it's down to the church And it's our responsibility. The church over the years has abdicated its responsibility for the care of the souls of men and women in this country and in other parts of the world as well. Not only that, we've abdicated our responsibility for the education of children and for the care of those who are in need. Because all of these things started by the church being moved by the power of God to reach out to do this and over the years the responsibility has been abdicated from the church Uh, mind you with the present state of the church in this country I don't suppose it would have mattered too much had they kept the responsibility it wouldn't have been a great deal of difference but nonetheless uh, the responsibility is for the Christians to see The Church of Jesus Christ grow under his guidance and leadership. There was in Macedonia a place of prayer. That's always a good place to uh, to start. But notice too that it was a place of prayer where the women resorted to. There was no synagogue in uh, uh, Philippi. Because there weren't ten men who would gather together to form a synagogue. Uh, a synagogue had to have ten men uh, as a, a core group to be able to start the synagogue. Any amount of women and they still couldn't have started a synagogue. Okay. If, if you don't like that idea, I'm sorry, that's how it was. And uh, don't argue with me about it. It's what the word of God Makes very clear. So there was no synagogue but a place of prayer down by the riverside. Going to lay down. My anyway, <clears throat> they went down to the riverside to pray. I think there's an old spiritual about going down to the riverside to pray. And so they resorted there and did it. And so Paul and Silas, uh, finding out about this, because they'd spent a few days in Philippi and uh, seen the place. And heard obviously about the place where they gathered to pray. And so on the Sabbath, Saturday, they went down to the river uh, where they met this group of people who regularly gathered to pray. And here then became the object of their visit. A certain woman named Lydia gathered there. And of all these ladies that gathered, and how many there were, the Bible doesn't say, so it's no point speculating. But Lydia was the one that God and the Holy Spirit had focused on. What she had been praying for, who knows, but we can take um, an example from earlier in the book of Acts when Cornelius who was a centurion, uh, had gathered people in his house to pray and they s- were seeking God. They wanted to know him and to go further. And as you may well remember, those of you that have read that part of the scripture, that Peter was sent to the house of Cornelius and God met with those people there. And so maybe it was that Lydia had been praying and, and seeking to know God more. And... Uh, Uh, Along comes Paul and Silas to the place. What about this woman, Lydia? All we know, she was a seller of purple. Strange, isn't it? There's a a poem, when I get old, I shall wear purple. Uh, Apparently, it's an elderly person's color. I don't know. It can't be because... Oh, I hadn't better say anything. But this purple was an exceedingly expensive dye. Apparently it was made from some shellfish and you would get a drop of this uh, dye from the throat of this particular shellfish that uh, was um, uh, well known in uh, Thyatira. So it's extremely expensive. And she sold either the dye or the fabrics that were colored by it, and obviously, um, they were expensive to buy. One would assume from that, that Lydia was not a poor lady. Uh, She did have her own home, so we know that she had enough wealth for that. So, here she was, a a business lady, successful business lady, because she'd moved from Thyatira to Philippi, which was a, a great distance to come, Uh, to uh, sell her wares and had enough, as I say, to build her own home in Philippi. So she was a successful businesswoman, but there was still something missing in her life. The scripture says she worshipped God. Now, worshipping God is great, but it's not enough. It wasn't enough for Lydia. There was more to come. So Paul and Silas came down and spoke to this group of women and she heard what the apostles had to say and the scripture says the Lord opened her heart. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. But he also said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. This then is the Godhead at work in the life of one woman in order to commence building the church of Jesus Christ in Philippi. God is not impressed with mega churches. God is impressed with men and women who will surrender their lives to him whether it's one or whether it's a million. It's the response in the heart that God is seeking for. And this woman opened her heart because God moved upon her heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit uh, uh, would be sent into the world to convict and cons- Vince of sin of righteousness and judgment don't think for a minute that it's our clever words that will persuade people to be a Christian we might uh, attract them to Jesus but it is the work of God uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit to bring them into his kingdom to give them new birth and there is no other way into God's kingdom except through new birth is not a back door into the kingdom of God there is a cross that you have to go through to get into God's kingdom and this was the gospel that obviously Lydia had heard and although it's not detailed here what Paul and Silas said it had to be repent believe be baptized And receive the Holy Spirit. Because that's what she did. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up to preach the gospel, and the people's hearts were were, uh, stricken, and they were convicted, and they said, What must we do? He said, Repent and be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. There's no shortcuts for that either. <coughs> Listen, baptism, it's not, it's not a, a sort of a conditional thing. It's not, oh well, if I want to be baptized, I will be. It's not. It's, it's commanded in the scripture that we be baptized. You're not, bat, you're not saved as you go through the water, but it's part of that great work of salvation. And if we want to receive the Holy Spirit, we must do it God's way. Why does man insist on trying to compromise God's word to fit in with what we want it to do? And so Lydia had made this commitment and she was baptized. She and her household. So obviously... The gospel had been preached to her household as well. And they all repented and believed and were baptized and received. We can make all sorts of uh, things up about her household as well. People do, you know, to justify infant christening. I refuse to call it infant Baptism. Baptism is by immersion, not by sprinkling. But the scripture says nothing about children, it just says her household. Doesn't even mention her husband. He's not important in the case. Now there's a thing for men. Sometimes we're not important in the case. But she and her household were converted. The start of the church in Philippi amazing isn't it that this church starts with a converted seeker after God and a frightened jailer Now oh, you have to read the rest of it I'm not going into the jailer's salvation but most of you will know about it anyway if you haven't heard a, a sermon preached on uh, the jailer uh, then uh, get round to listen to one from somewhere Then this church began. The Lord took a great deal of trouble to get Paul and Silas into Philippi. It wasn't something they suddenly thought about. We'll do that. I know that the scripture tells us, you see, that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's the command for the disciples of Jesus. And, and Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas took that seriously. Wherever they went, they preached the gospel. They went as far as they could. But God had a plan that really cut across what Paul and Silas were planning to do. Because the scripture said, earlier on from the part that we read, that when they'd gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia... They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. There's a strange thing to hear. That the Holy Spirit will forbid people to go into a place to preach the gospel. Oh yes. Oh yes. Because he directs, not us. Not only that, they came down uh, uh, out of that place uh, came to Mysia, and then they wanted to go into Bithynia, which was a bit north from there. And the Spirit didn't permit them to go there either. Why? Were there not lost people in these places? Of course there were. But God was directing this operation. And oh, if only the church would allow God to direct their operations. The forbidding Spirit is what we see here. It's amazing how many Christians claim that they've been led by the Spirit to do the thing they wanted to do in the first place. How many? Christians around the world are making a name for themselves. Building empires from themselves. Directed by the Holy Spirit. I tend to regard that with some skepticism. Paul had one overriding passion in his life. To preach the gospel. He said, If I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. I have nothing to boast of. It's not mine. Necessity is laid upon me. Woe is me, if I do not preach the gospel. This burden that weighed heavily upon Paul, was to preach the gospel, not to make a name for himself, not to build an empire. We don't see the, minister, the, the uh, sort of organization, the Paul and Silas Ministries Inc. They just went to preach the gospel. He was burdened. He called himself a debtor to those who were outside of, uh, of Jesus Christ, both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. He considered himself a debtor to them, but he had to preach the gospel to them because he had been one who persecuted the church. He had taken those people who had come to know Jesus uh, as their Lord and Savior and he'd taken them and thrown them in prison. He'd been there when Stephen was stoned and was consenting to his death. And that weighed heavily upon him throughout his ministry and throughout his life. Never forgot that he had been a blasphemer. He'd been uh, one who persecuted the church of Jesus Christ and in so doing uh, persecuted Jesus himself. So he was burdened to preach wherever he could. However, he was sensitive and obedient to the Holy Spirit. As we've read twice in the account, forbidden to preach. Oh, wouldn't it have been easy for him to talk to a monk Paul and Silas together and say, no, that can't be right. We've got to go everywhere to preach the gospel. Now, that can't be the Spirit of God telling us not to go. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how the Spirit spoke to them and told them, but they knew. And friends, it may be that the Holy Spirit talks to you and you may not be able to put into words how it is. That doesn't matter. Had they put down how it had been done, everybody would be looking for that in their own lives. But they knew that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit moves upon you, you know, you know that God has spoken to you through his Holy Spirit. Uh, And if you don't know, then I suggest that you do something about it. And get yourself right with God. So that you can know and you can hear. You see, we have to recognize the Holy Spirit is not given to us in order to give us chills and tingles. He is not there to give us toys to play with and the church over the years has used the gifts of the Holy Spirit as an advancement for themselves. Isn't it tragic that the very power of God that was given to bring us into unity has been used over the centuries to bring separation from people Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is given to bring us into all truth not different truth it's not your truth or my truth it's his truth And that's the only truth that we need to know about. His truth. And we walk in that the Holy Spirit was given. That we might be united together to be able to declare the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. I get so tired of defeated Christians. Weak. And helpless. I'm not talking about physical or mental infirmity. I'm talking about spiritual infirmity. Oh, how hard it is to live the Christian life. Is it? I found it more difficult not to live the Christian life. And I was only unsaved for a short time in my long and illustrious life. It doesn't mean there's no difficulties, but how can it be hard to live the Christian life when all that we have is given to us by him? All that we need to live this Christian life, to declare the glory of God in our lives, to share a a wonderful testimony that we've got. And and you may not have been into the dregs of society, And and delivered from demons and drugs and all sorts of stuff. But friend, whatever your testimony is, and you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has saved you, that is a remarkable testimony, because in you, he has done the impossible. He has brought you back into relationship with Almighty God. That is absolutely miraculous that he can restore and revive and regenerate a dead spirit. Because that's what we have outside of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he gives us life. And without him, we have no life. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church to endure us with power from on high. Do you often feel powerless or do you think yourself powerless? Do you think, oh dear me, I can't need to do something about it. Are you desperate for God to move in your life or are you quite happy living on the fringes, enjoying the blessings, enjoying the benefits, but lacking the power of God? The Bible says in the last days that there will come a time when this happens. People will have a form of godliness. It it looks like the real thing, but there's no power in it. Denying the power of godliness. Friends, we live in such a day and age. We live in seeing a church uh, across uh, the nation and across the world that is lacking the power of God to stand firm on the word of God for the Lord Jesus Christ and his testimony he didn't die so that we could be like the world when, when Paul said I don't know how it affected you but the highest one of the highest rates of divorce is amongst church ministers. <coughs> that is heartbreaking. It should never be mentioned amongst us. I know that it is. I'm not, I'm not stupid. And I know that in some parts of the world divorce is regarded as just one of those things. But if you sip a little wine, you'll go to hell. But that's the way it is. But it should be heartbreaking to think that God who hates divorce should have to put up with a church that doesn't mind one bit and thinks that, okay, we don't get on. Let's separate. We need to see what God has to say about that. But friends, He has given us His Holy Spirit to enable us to be what He wants us to be, what we want us to be as Christians, so that we can live together, through the difficulties, through the hard times, through the desperations. He is there. He has promised to be there. The Holy Spirit was never given to be the object of endless debates or theological gymnastics. He was not given to make us wealthy. He was given to make us His, so that we may live as He wants us to. The Holy Spirit is essential to the building of the church of Jesus Christ. Even Jesus Himself did not begin His public ministry until he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, when he took up Isaiah. Wonderful book. Wonderful book. Get yourself into Isaiah. Terrific. But he read from Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. And then the list and the litany of things that he was anointed to do. After that, the Holy Spirit had come upon him. Not before. He was the Son of God before he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was the Son of God from birth. But his ministry began after he was baptized and received the Holy Spirit sent from God. And the first thing that happened, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness where he was tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights and the Bible says that when he came out of the wilderness he came in the power of the Holy Spirit that is what the church of Jesus Christ needs today that is what founded this church in Philippi that's what happened to these people who were converted They were baptized and received the Holy Spirit. That was what they expected. When, when Paul met the uh, people in Ephesus uh, and and asked them, "Uh, "Have you received the Holy Spirit?" They said, "We've never heard of the Holy Spirit." So immediately he said, "Well, what were you baptized to?" This wasn't a Jesus-only baptism. If they'd have been baptized, as the scripture says, they would have heard of the Holy Spirit, of course, because we're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. They'd never heard of the Holy Spirit, and so he prayed for them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. He wouldn't leave them until he'd imparted something to them. Can you say the Spirit of the Lord is upon you? Of course, he can be if we are to be used of God, if we are to be powerful in the kingdom of God, if we are to be shining testimonies in the world that we are in but not of, if you want to be in the world and not of it, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit, friend. Otherwise, you'll be in the world and crushed by it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to move in his power. One other thing, just to mention, and then I will draw to a close, because I haven't been looking at the time, but I've probably gone over it. Uh, One of those things. The Bible says, that if anyone lacks wisdom, we should ask God, and he will give it. Look around the church, in the world today, and see how many lack wisdom. Look at your own life and see the things that you have to face and that you try in your own, uh, uh, with your own ability uh, uh, and your own mind, your own thinking, to work stuff out. The Bible says if we lack wisdom, ask God. He'll give us wisdom. Now, if you don't get it immediately, you ask, what are you going to do? Say, oh, God's not giving me wisdom. No, you're going to keep going and saying, Lord... You said you would give me wisdom for this particular thing. Now, it won't come as writing in the sky. I doubt there will be a finger writing on your bedroom wall or your house wall saying what you've got to do. But when he gives you wisdom, you will know that God has spoken. You will know God has said that he will do it. Do we believe the word of God? Do we believe that God will actually do what he says he will do? Or have have we had so many disappointments (coughs) that we think we've got to work it out ourselves? I believe that God will give us wisdom as we ask for it. I cook on a Thursday once a fortnight. You think I just come on a Tuesday and say I know what I'm doing. I pray before I come. I I don't ever claim to be a good cook I claim that God watches over me when I cook you talk to my son he'll tell you I am not a good cook I do stuff that's totally wrong I mean I would never get through well there's all sorts of things I never get through I don't claim to be great I seek God And, and God does it it's not only for my cooking it's for my preaching it's for my living that I ask God for wisdom and I know when I've resorted to my own wisdom because it's a rotten mess but God will give us wisdom as we ask back to Lydia just for a minute I bet she was ever so glad that Paul and Silas went to Philippi. We don't hear anything more about her, poor lass. Except that everywhere the gospel is preached, her name is mentioned. Somewhere, sometime. Because she responded by the power of God to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you, by the way, responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Not not started to come to church. I'm not asking that. Not Not decided to turn over a new leaf. Have you responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Repent of sin. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be baptized. Receive the Holy Spirit. And live for him. That's his desire for each one of you. It's our desire for you as well. Let's pray. God, I'll ramble on if I don't stop. So Lord, I just pray that you will take the word that you want to implant in people's hearts this morning and implant it there. God, you are so gracious. Really, you are so gracious to us. We make such a hash of things so often and you still come and you surround us with your loving arms and you say, come to me. Come to me. And Lord, it's still your call to men and women today. Come unto me and I will give you rest. So Lord, I pray for everyone here. I pray for this fellowship. Lord, it's an important strategic fellowship in this town. And I pray that you will Ignite it with the fire of the Holy Spirit and glorify your name in this place because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.